What's up, Jay Brones? Live from Brooklyn, New York, and Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada, this is the Torture Rack Podcast. I am your host, Mark Bass. My co-host is John F. Malta, and we are very happy to be here with you, our friends in wrestling. John, say something. Let the people know you're alive, pal. What's going on, dude? Uh, I'm real psyched. I just got done working on a drawing of Mil Muertes and Ray Phoenix Jr. for Torture Rack Issue 4. That is a uh, sick drawing. John, do you want to let us know a little bit about how Torture Rack Issue 4 is coming along? It's uh, steps away from being done. I think it's going to be done this week. Uh, we are in the first week of June now. Uh, I feel like I only have like a handful of illustrations left to do. Uh, I'm almost done with Thomas's Lucha Underground uh, piece. I have two illustrations to do for that. Uh, I did my own year of 2019, like review sort of thing. Uh, so I need to I actually need to figure out what I'm going to draw for that and why. I definitely think I'm going to draw Omega uh, and Moxley and the barbed wire spider web. Yes. I feel like um, we don't talk about that as much as we should and how awesome yeah, that match was. Totally. Uh, and... Yeah, just barreling towards uh, the publication date. This issue is going to be 164 pages, the biggest issue ever, completely changing the format from the fanzine that the subscribers of Torture Act know. Uh, and I couldn't be more excited. Um, yeah. Uh, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. I cannot wait to see all these illustrations in the same place, all of these uh, articles that you and Thomas have wrote about uh, Japan and uh, myself to see the 20 matches that define the Intercontinental Championship article that I wrote with all your illustrations live and in color. It's going to be so, so cool. Um, so, John, just to because we talked about it a little bit last episode, but we didn't actually finish that discussion. Can you take people through how this issue compares to the first three? Like, how big was the first issue of Torture Rack? The first issue, I think, was maybe 32 pages at the, the most. 28 to 32 pages, short essays. Uh, the longest essay was on Joey Janela. Uh, it kind of went through his uh, career up to that point. And then uh, also featured uh, Naito, Pete Dunne, and maybe Jay Lethal. I think that's it. But it was it was short. There were all short essays, very quick, uh, just sort of the things that I loved about wrestling at that moment. And it just started like because I was really excited about wrestling. I wanted to draw things about it. Uh, and the drawings that I did at that time, they started as illustrations. And I was like, oh, I should pair this with writing and actually make a zine. So then it, the first three issues are all around that size. They're five and a half by eight and a half issues, sort of fa the typical fanzine size that people know. Uh, and then when working on the fourth issue, I started working on it uh, at the beginning of this year, at the end of last year, and the end of last year, sort of like December, January, thinking that it would be done in maybe like February or March. But then I started putting together the feature on my trip to Tokyo and Wrestle Kingdom this past January, right? And realized that um, that the the issue could be much longer uh, than. It typically is so from there uh it kind of grew into what it is now which is basically a 164 page book that wow. uh covers a lot of different wrestling like you covered wwe and did a really great article on the intercontinental title thomas did uh a tribute piece to hannah kimura and lucha underground uh overview sort of introduction for people who are not familiar with lucha um, and I did a myriad of articles, 
among them being a 100-page feature on my trip to Tokyo. And that's how this turned into a 164-page book and project that will hopefully be printed and wrapped by the middle to end of this month. Uh, I think by the next epi- the next time we record an episode, the issue should be closed. So wow. June, that's so exciting. June, June 8th, next Monday. I'm putting it out there. Was planning to be done by June first, but I got wrapped up in that uh, Phoenix Muertes illustration for Thomas. So uh, worth it. Took it. A little longer than I I thought it would. I could feel this issue growing and growing because I don't even remember when I started writing that Intercontinental title article. I, I felt like it was last it was a while year. ago. Yeah, I felt I like it was, it was. in yeah. December, uh, and I remember being psyched about it. And I've sent you a lot of messages that say, "Hey, John." Um, what does the text have to be locked for? Because I found myself <laughs> making edits all the time as like different things happen in WWE. I'm like, Oh, Brock Lesnar's the oh, champion. Right. Cause as not you, anymore. As you wrote it. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. You wrote it like, and it, it, I think in the intro, you talk about how Sam, Sammy still hadn't got a title. I actually and am then starting to think that there's something like some sort of magical, like Harry Potter quality to that <laughs> thing, because everything I wrote started happening. I was like, I really hope Drew wins the Royal Rumble, wins the Royal Rumble. I'm like, well, they should ascend him. He's like the top guy. I said, Sami Zayn, it's ridiculous. I know that they're not going to put a a Muslim Syrian ginger guy from Canada as their top guy, but he should be the most decorated intercontinental champion ever. Uh, And then suddenly he wins the intercontinental championship. Well, then they stripped it away from him, but he still won it though. We are going to talk about that uh, later. Actually, I know we usually talk about Dynamite, but that's actually a really good lead into the NXT episode if you're comfortable Sure, yeah. Jumping to that. Because uh-huh. I just wanted to talk about how it's a little bit hypocritical that WWE stripped the Intercontinental Championship from Sami Zayn because he couldn't compete. Number one, because as a lot of people pointed out, Brock Lesnar held the uh, Universal Championship without defending regularly for like three months because he demanded so much for a paycheck that they it would only be the huge pay-per-views or Survivor Series or Royal Rumbles that you'd actually see Brock as champion. But also, number two, here in NXT, um, they don't have their champion who is... Please rem- remind me his name. Uh, Adam Cole? No, the, uh, the Cruiserweight champion. We watched oh. a match with him. Star versus... Dude, I don't know. I'm oh, not on that is, one. This is embarrassing. But the Cruiserweight champion uh, is stuck in, I want to say, the UK at the moment. And so rather than stripping the title from him in NXT, they have devised a interim Cruiserweight championship tournament. So it's this entire tournament that's been taking up a lot of NXT television that is just to decide who is the champion until the actual champion can come back and sort of defend for it. So I really feel like if they wanted to keep Sami Zayn as Intercontinental Champion, they easily could have done that. Just had an Intercontinental Championship uh, interim tournament. Everybody knows there's the, the global situation that's going on. They could have kept the title on him. And then once he came back to challenge whoever the the, the winner of the Intercontinental Tournament is, you know, that could have been a, a, a great match. And the Intercontinental Finals are happening probably next SmackDown between Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Dude, that match is going to be sick. Apparently, it's already been taped, and it's great. I've I read this on yeah. Squared Circle. So on NXT, the first match was the semi-finals of the Cruiserweight Interim Championship Tournament. That is a mouthful. Between Drake Maverick, Kushida, and Jake Atlas. Now, Drake Maverick's been writing this story ever since he was released. Um, 
he put out a very heartfelt video talking yeah, about that was how... re- that video was really like heartbreaking uh, it was very, super very, heartbreaking very hard to watch and i don't think it was a work basically he was released by wwe on the black wednesday and he went on a heartfelt um almost like an apology video to his to his fans it was almost like i've let you down but i'm no longer going to be wrestling for the wwe and he you know he talks about how he his future is uncertain and he basically cries on camera and it's very vulnerable and i'm not sure if wwe saw that and they thought oh we feel guilty or if they thought that's money we can use that but whatever I think it is probably a little bit of both right probably I mean, a that, little bit that of both. match was so good uh mm-hmm. i so, yeah it's it it was it was it's been a while since i've watched nxt weekly i've been watching every takeover you know forever but yeah that match it just starts out so fast and fast paced and uh yeah i really loved it we're we're making an effort to watch more nxt just because you know there seems to be great stuff going on and as soon as i put on this episode i knew i was back in because this opening match was absolutely killer it's triple threat like you said never lets up has a little bit of a screwy finish where Drake Maverick oh, right. gets the pin on Kushida, even though, uh, or on Jake Atlas, even though Kushida has him in a, um, has him in a submission hold and he, and he taps out basically at the same time. But Dude, Kushida tore the house down in this episode, uh, in a specific match. Like there was that string of moves where he did like a moonsault to tornado DDT to like rolled over into an arm bar. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that that match. I even just while watching that's like, why am I? Why haven't I been watching this weekly? It's great. Uh, yeah. I also think the cruiserweights have just been so underserved by WWE. They had their own program, Two Five Live, but they never gave that show a lot of promotion. They never gave it a lot of storylines or any time on the pay per views. It was always pre show matches that no one really could get invested in it, even though it had some of the best wrestlers in WWE, including you know, Neville and uh, Drew Gulag and, and people like that. Totally. Um, but now that the Cruiserweight has moved over to to NXT, which has two hours to fill, seems like a match made in heaven because they're really giving it these matches the time to, to flower. Uh, Drake Maverick obviously coming back to perhaps win the tournament and get his job back in WWE is like... That's a, it would be a, an incredible story. It, I hope that's what happens. Yeah. I hope that's what happens too. I mean, it, it seems like a pretty obvious... Uh, yeah. Anyway, John gave this match an A. I gave it an A minus. Uh, thought it was fantastic. Now, <laughs> John has been watching the Hulu cut. I have, yeah, the Hulu cut. Sixty minutes. The sixty minute cut. So I'm watching a ninety yeah. minute version. John's watching a sixty minute version. Honestly, I'm a little bit envious of him because it seems like some of the less good segments I got cut, uh, including this uh, Johnny Gargano, Adrian yeah, Alanis squash match. Yeah, I don't like his uh, all heart, no soul written on his uh, gear. He seems mm-hmm. kind of like an angsty, like emo teen. Um, <laughs> and they, you know, they had the the crowd, the crowd of uh, the NXT wrestlers around the ring. And they were all sort of, you know, obviously told to boo Johnny, but uh, it was really half-hearted. And um, it was funny, the commentary, I think it was Moro or, or, or maybe someone else, but referred to the wrestlers around the ring. The obviously just NXT wrestlers as the WWE universe. And I just thought... Oh, uh, that's funny. It's so funny how they, can, they can't they can say fans or even wrestlers. They have to say WWE universe when it's just like 12 guys around the ring. 
anyway, I thought the match was kind of a bust. There was a Keith Lee Gargano segment that was not for me. Very sitcom, very cringe. After that, Drake Maverick has an interview uh, where he acknowledges that he won that match under shady circumstances and basically is like, I want to make this right. Um, You know, what do I have to do? Do I have to fight somebody? Kushida comes out. Did you not see this? I did. It cuts that. That's where my episode picks back up. Okay. Right right after the match goes to this promo. Yeah. So uh, Kushida, rather than what you think, which is, you know, he's going to contest it. He actually offers his support to Drake Maverick and Maverick is like, so emotional and happy and he offers Kushida the first shot after he wins the title. So I think this is a brilliant setup. You have, if, if Drake Maverick goes on to win amazing underdog story gets fired, manages to come back for the cruiserweight tournament that he was supposed to be in anyway, wins it. He has his first proper defense against the person that he kind of shadily won against. And then once the cruiserweight champion comes back, that's another feud. So that's like, three months of 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 great storylines for drake dude totally and i just love how it paid off in like a show of respect and sportsmanship you know rather than just the petty squabbling we always see backstage yeah uh it felt felt right it felt good i love i love that nxt basically is treating like cruiserweights like uh, a super junior division basically where it's like uh guys doing fast moves within their show rather than being on a separate show that I tried watching a lot, but could never get into. Like I tried watching lots of episodes of 205 live and just could never find myself uh, engaged in what was going on in it. But I do love this tournament and I'm excited to see the finals. All right. Is the final going to be at in your house this weekend? Is that this weekend? Yeah. Oh, I think it's, I'm Monday, so excited. Monday. That or card is Sunday. really shaping up. Uh, I yeah. believe the finals probably will be, although they could be on NXT this week. I guess we'll find out in a couple days. True, yeah. There was a Shotzi Blackheart versus Raquel Gonzalez match you did not see. Missed that. I love Shotzi. Wish that I saw that. Shotzi came out in a tiny tank. Which was... Oh, I've seen gifs of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It was really funny. Uh, Raquel, who is like um, Dakota Kai's strong woman, she dominated for most of the match, uh, but then Shotzi rallied. She hit a terrible coffin drop onto the outside of the ring. Um, Dakota and Raquel were supposed to catch her. Didn't. She just Ooh. landed on her shoulder. Uh, it looked, To the out, like ground? Yeah. It looked brutal. Damn. It looked brutal. Um, I don't know if they rushed, but Kai interfered. They went right to the finish. Um, hope she's okay. I hope she's okay. She, she seemed all right, but that uh, was a B minus B for me, like, solid tv match um there was a little bit of hype i don't know if you saw this but for the upcoming finn balor damian priest match no it is it's a it's a match for uh who is the spookier boy (laughs) (laughs) that's gonna be having an xt i know you you don't love damian priest right i don't really have an opinion on him i uh i didn't like uh like him pre-nxt so Coming into NXT, I just don't feel that like excited about him. But I love Finn Balor, so yeah, I think this could be fun. a great establishing match for him. Just kind of putting it up against someone like Finn, who can who could take a loss, um, yeah, for sure. Uh, then there was Charlotte Flair and Chelsea Green versus Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai. What a team, Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai. 
dude and this feud between Rhea and charlotte is awesome uh it's been so cool seeing the two of them i don't know just how it's actually continued it's like actually feels like a long-term sort of thing yeah Uh, and just watching the two of them go at each other is so fun like i would watch that match any day Uh, oh absolutely i i was really negative from the upcoming from the last wrestlemania when Rhea had recently won on NXT television, defeating Shayna Baszler, who had like a year undefeated streak. So Rhea got that huge rub from defeating Shayna, won the title, but then pretty immediately dropped it to Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. Charlotte Flair kind of controversially won the Women's Royal Rumble. Uh, everyone kind of thinks of it All as right. just kind of backstage politicking where Charlotte just kind of has to have a little bit of everything. Um, but at the same time, it, it really does solidly define her as like probably the greatest female wrestler of all time yeah uh, at, at the moment at least um so yeah when 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 charlotte won it from Rhea, though i just thought that's not really necessary like give give Rhea that big win but now it seems like they're like you said they're planning a much longer term storyline so yeah if you think about it Rhea ripley's what 19 years old I think she's a little older than that. 21? Like 23. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm probably, (laughs) I'm probably way off, but she's young. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is she's at the start of her career. So she's already like defeated Shayna. She's had a huge match with Charlotte at WrestleMania, which was great where she held her own. She didn't win, but then she gets to chase Charlotte on NXT's television, get Charlotte out of the main roster women's division for a little bit because she's too dominant. Um, She'd probably beat Asuka right now and like take her title. Um, put her there and then eventually when Rhea wins again from Charlotte it's going to be just like it'll be as big of the a most win. massive moment like rather than just retaining like la- last week you uh made a point saying it's fun to watch the babyface chase the title rather than having like a long dominant reign yeah uh and i do think that there's something to that because seeing now that her win her title win last year was one of my favorite like the only title win that i could think of in the last year that i was as excited for um was naito uh winning the double gold dash at wrestle kingdom this year and then secondarily i feel like in wwe the last time i was that excited to see someone win a title was when aj styles beat jinder uh mahal in england like i think like two or three years ago at this point that was an Um, amazing moment because it was such a lackluster jinder title feud after going from jobber to vince wants a deal in india jinder is the champion has a bunch of terrible matches and then you know the greatest smackdown star of his generation aj comes in and takes the title back but i think in retrospect it's what made that because aj won on a smackdown so it didn't feel like he was gonna win either like no one expected him to win that yeah no it was a total surprise and huge pop like we popped huge and aj has yeah had the wwf title on smackdown you know for two almost like year long runs so totally he's i don't know we always talked about him as like the next Shawn michaels but he is pretty much just like he just he he's is the that phenomenal great. one he is the yeah. phenomenal one um did you yeah you must have seen the regal william regal adam cole zoom meeting man that was such a good promo for like adam cole sitting in his gamer chair in his apartment and it there's a lot of intensity and just like I don't know. Yeah, I was really like blown away by how engaged I was with that promo for it was, being just this weird Zoom conference. Like, well, it's just two great like characters, like the like you know Adam Cole who is going on. He's had the longest title reign in NXT history. He's 
over a year now, and he's basically just saying that he is the leader of his generation. And he's got a lot of stats to back it up. And William Regal's like, listen, Adam, I don't suffer fools gladly. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, yeah, that intensity that Regal brought to it, too. Yeah, just very, they, they, they're both, yeah, did, top of their uh, game of promos. So there's, have you heard what the stipulation is for their match at, in, in your house? No, not. So it's some sort of parking lot match, not a parking lot brawl. Because there is a ring, but the ring is going to be outside, surrounded by wrestlers' cars, who presumably have, like, their headlights on or whatever. So, I think it has the... Dude, this era is awesome. Like, <laughs> so great. I agree. What? I yeah, agree. I love... I lo- and now it's just, like, everyone's going to go back and forth trying to make the wildest, like... Cinematic you know, match, COVID cinematic match. Yeah, yeah like absolutely. Hopefully, this because I guess it probably will become something that's a holdover. Like they'll keep doing these matches probably moving forward. Well, dude, Vince like doesn't like to say the word wrestling. He's he thinks he's a sports entertainer. He's like wrestling's what my dad did. Like he right. doesn't believe, and he thinks that what he's making is more like cinema. So actually, having the opportunity to literally make cinematic matches. Uh, I mean, I'd however, watch a whole promotion built around cinematic match, like basically Lucha Underground. Uh, yeah, it'd be cool to see like a promotion now that's basically all. As much as I love wrestling, like this new cinematic sort of aesthetic and the different things that allows them to do, like, yeah, so. Cool. Did you see that uh, Meltzer did not rate the Stadium Stampede match because he didn't consider it a match because it was filmed over like twelve hours. Which makes, makes sense. He didn't he say also that like he didn't want to. I thought at the beginning of uh, all of this too, he said he didn't want to rate anything because he felt it wasn't felt, fair. Yeah, that it was like this is a weird time. Is he rating stuff again now? He is, and I think it makes sense to rate it. Like it's just if there can't be a five star match because the audience isn't there to like pump it up, then so be it. That's a reality of the situation. I don't think you should you know, not rate things like, sure. Maybe it's, it's unfair to matches, but the situation is unfair to matches and you just kind of, kind of roll with it. Yeah. I mean, like thinking back to like, I was, as you said that in my head, I was like, Oh, is there, there are matches that I've, that have happened in this era that I would put on as like, Oh, that's as good as any of the matches that I would consider like a five-star match. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, like Meltzer's, rating but my own personal like, yeah. ratings it's like well like brody and mox was an incredible match and oh yeah with or without a crowd and then even like last week too we were talking about how um Sheeta is able to perform as if a crowd is there even though a crowd is not there like in my she mind, has that, that was... kind of she doesn't seem affected and i think one of the things is that um the reason that wwe always puts everyone through nxt when they come rather than just hotshotting them to the main roster. I think the only one I can remember who skipped NXT was AJ Styles, which was a huge moment at a Royal Rumble. But the NXT system and like the Performance Center, they teach you how to perform for the crowd and and for the TV. Um, And so they have a very special way of performing. You know, they do everything to the hard cam and they do this and that. So when they don't have a crowd, they're a little bit stranded. I think a lot of the performers and I see that less in AEW. I find those guys are able to just confidently have matches without, I don't know, missing that, that roar of the crowd. 
I think AEW, like you said, like over the last couple of weeks, I've gone whole stretches of the episode just kind of forgetting that there's no crowds. Yeah, you kind of just get lost in it. Uh, it's great. Um, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch had a great promo. Oh, I didn't uh, see that. Man, I love them. They, their tag match... Uh, they've had a lot of great tag matches at NXT. Like, just... Yeah, the two of them together... Happy to hear they had a promo. I've not seen them in a tag match in a while, so... What was so great about the promo is that it was about how they were fighting each other at first. And I think it was... Uh, Oni was saying how getting hit by Danny is like getting hit by a brick. <laughs> like a punch from him. And so I love these tag teams that start out as like enemies. I think that's why uh, the bar with Sheamus and Cesaro worked so well. Because we saw them have like a best of seven series where they took each other to the limit. And they hated each other at first. And then they grew to respect each other so much because of how much they tested each other. And like, that was like the basis of their tag team. Dude, totally. I think that's really cool. Um, another match that they're building for in your house, Karrion Cross, former killer cross versus Tommaso Ciampa. I am so excited for this. This match is going to be, a, yeah, it's going to rule killer cross. I feel like his debut, him and uh, Scarlett's debut was, on NXT was very sick. Uh, and, and that's just like their entrance. Like yeah. just Scarlett just comes out and does like the pantomime singing. And uh -huh. she actually sang the song like in that's that his, his that's entrance her, music. her voice. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I know some, some people it's divided. Some people, they think it's like a little bit much, but I, I, I think it is I like it. Yeah. The coolest like, entrance currently on probably any wrestling show. Yeah. I would agree with that. Totally. Uh, definitely like on the level of like Alistair Black's entrance, uh, for sure. Uh, like just totally there's this person's coming out to fuck shit up and yeah, their valet is not fucking around either. I also enjoy, like, like you said, the Suzuki goon energy of, um, Archer. Yeah. Totally. Archer just yeah. coming out with like a small jobber <laughs> in his hands as yeah. he comes from the backstage. They're brawling. Just... Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It makes yeah. it seem like he burst out of his locker room and just started beating people up. And Rather than headbutting like a locker and giving himself a concussion like Goldberg, yeah. <laughs> he just like finds totally. some dude in the hallway. He's like, "You're coming with me, little boy." <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, but that 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 was a great setup for. I'm excited for that match. Totally. Uh, Champa versus Carrion Cross now. Yeah. Formerly Killer Cross. It's gonna be great. Champion Carrion Cross. That's gonna be excellent. Um, Adam Money. Cole versus the Velveteen Dream. Dude, this card be is so amazing. Yeah. Uh, like, like we said before, Damian Priest versus Finn Balor, um, and of course the big draw of the episode that we watched was oh my god, yeah, NXT Pancrase. Can't wait. It was the fight pit between uh, Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher. So the story going to this is that Thatcher had replaced Dunn. Uh, of course, the Broserweights, the team of Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn, are the current. NXT tag team champions Dunn is stuck in the UK. So Timothy Thatcher had replaced him uh, teaming with Riddle, but that team imploded on the last match. They dropped their titles to Imperium and now Thatcher and Riddle will collide. John, what did you think of this match? I absolutely love that. They have something called the NXT fight pit now. Uh, and yeah, just loved the match. Uh, it was really cool. Can you describe the ring? See, like a yeah, the like a a ring 
like kind of almost like underground with a cage around it and then like a platform above the ring it's like the ring was raised maybe like seven feet yeah yeah Yeah. and like the the platform's maybe seven feet high and they fought up to the platform they started up at the the top and then started at the platform right and then went down to the ring like that was such a cool like a cool way to work that fight like because it was supposed to be like a worked mma shoot fight basically which Made me go back and watch more Pancrase matches, uh, which I've mentioned to you a few times. Pancrase is uh, Minoru Suzuki's wrestling promotion from the 1990s. Uh, he It's still like going now, but uh, he uh, formed it as a way to um, bring together uh, MMA fighters, boxers, and pro wrestlers in matches that were worked shoots. So some of them... So it's like, it's very disputed. Like if you go, if you do research and read about all of these different matches and like watch the, watch matches on YouTube, um, some people like say that none of them were predetermined and all of them were shoot fights. And oh, then really? Other, other, other people and the actual promotion itself says that a lot of the, um, most of the matches were shoots, but some of them were predetermined uh interesting and yeah it was cool like uh this this uh um the thatcher riddle match made me want to go back and watch a lot of them if you want a match recommendation from that era uh eyes of beast four ken shamrock versus minoru suzuki is like so fucking good dude uh you should watch can you vamp for about 30 minutes as i watch this match (laughs) the mat the match is only three minutes and 30 seconds because they are like shoot they're like yeah mma shoots so it's like Holy uh fuck. it's it's so cinematic too like there's like uh there's this like in that match specifically there's this incredible shot where they have a camera above the ring down like looking down on suzuki and shamrock in a grapple so like they're framed in the center of the frame and uh suzuki is uh wrenching shamrock's leg and it's such a cool Cool, cool shot, and then just such a cool moment in professional wrestling history. All, all of that. I, if you, if uh, anyone listening wants to look up more about Pancrase, just look up the Eyes of Beast tournaments uh, on YouTube. There's a, there's quite a few of them posted, but that match specifically uh, is an important one. And uh, this NXT Fight Pit match totally reminded me of that. And I've been hoping that that would kind of seep its way into Western wrestling. Uh, I'm not even that big of an MMA guy, but uh, like just that that sort of um, clash of aesthetics and like mindsets, where it's like this MMA fight that's happening within a professional wrestling organization is such a cool thing. And totally, you know what I I don't know. Yeah, this match itself too, like to have two dudes who are legit MMA people, but then they also can moonsault off the top of a cage <laughs> is like. Yeah, so so sick. What uh, what did you think of the match? I, I loved it. Uh, so basically what we're trying to say is these two dudes beat the shit out of each other uh, for about 10 minutes. They're the big moment for me, I think for most people. Um, looks like Thatcher has the upper hand. Um, and then suddenly Riddle jumps onto the side of the cage and off of it like he's like vega from street fighter or something oh my god like, great comparison it was like watching a vega yeah. street fighter fight and just kicks in him in the face and it looks so brutal they showed the replay a couple times it looks like he really like knocks him out to the point where 
I wasn't a hundred percent sure that the next moment where Thatcher spits out his own teeth into his hand, I wasn't a hundred percent sure if that was just a joke because we've seen Seamus or uh, Cesaro, sorry, get his teeth like knocked into his face. But that was real. That was real. But I didn't know if this wasn't like, it seemed pretty obvious that it was probably chiclets or something. But when you rewatch that kick, you're like, that that could have been real. It looks, yeah, it connects. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I never, I didn't really like at the time of watching that. Didn't question that moment. I was like, oh, that's probably did that. That probably happened. But yeah, maybe. I mean, that that's I think what is good about these sorts of new matches is like you can kind of get lost in them, and they don't. It doesn't really matter if that was real or if that was a worked sort of planned spot. Yeah, it's um, kind of like the Moxley. Kenny Omega match that you referenced, the non-sanctioned lights out match. Um, we knew that the barbed wire was gimmicked, but it was still barbed wire and we could still go yeah. along with it. And it was still a great image. And that was a great image of, of Thatcher spitting his teeth and the ref being like, can you continue? And he's like, yeah, of course. Like, Dude, what? also not, we, we kind of uh, buried the lead here. Uh, Kurt Angle as ref was great too. Just <laughs> That certainly is the lead. Yeah, <laughs> Kurt Angle just living, just living his his best life. He's part of the Shield. He's a referee. I love uh, Kurt. I love adult like dad post career sort of Kurt Angle. Like I, I genuinely am kind of nostalgic for when he was general manager and would come out and like kind of miss say lines called WWE WWE. Like, <laughs> well, uh, this is this is why I love AEW is because. They've really they've they've created almost like this like retirement plan for for wrestlers. Uh, you can't wrestle anymore. Come over here, be a sweet manager. So Jake, yeah, the they Snake, almost have like a whole roster of people that are like that. They're yeah, they're building their valets and totally. Yeah. And so I think that Kurt Angle just having him as like an authority figure as a general manager is kind of a waste. He should be finding the next Kurt Angle. He should take on Chad Gable as his protege. And give him that rub and push the comparisons even further and, you know, help get someone like Gable into the main event. Well, but even his use here, I thought was good. I feel like too often the ref is a part of the the guest ref is a part of the decision of yes. the match, which is what I thought might happen. Like with the way there was like a, a promo where he was like shaking Matt Riddle's hand and kind of talking to him, uh, at least in my version of NXT. And... It made me think for a moment, like, oh, is he going to be involved in the, the decision of the match? And I like that he was just there to add posterity to the the whole aesthetic. It's like it's yeah. in the NXT fight pit. There's a cage. Kurt Angle's the ref. No, he was very it's well great. used here. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, Thatcher went over. This is Riddle's farewell NXT match. He will be called what up a match. to SmackDown perhaps as soon as this upcoming week. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, what a way to go out. Uh, I gave it an A. John gave it an A+. Plus. Yeah. Uh, Check it out. Uh, it was great. Loved it. So that was NXT. Um, yeah. Should we talk about AW Dynamite? I just want to say it, just to say it out loud. It is blows my mind that we are living in a time where that NXT episode that we just talked about and this Dynamite episode happened at the exact same time on a Wednesday night in 2020 wrestling is probably as good as it's ever been yeah i uh yeah it, it's 
it to me is that this is the next it's the next peak period like it's yeah. been 20 years since that existed and yeah we have we're existing in such a great time for it and that's not even considering everything else that's going on too like the fact that there's two weekly shows that are such high, that bring such high quality content uh on a regular basis is insane like yeah and we're not talking about rod and smackdown <laughs> yeah no but even well then then the, the, not even to like not even considering those yeah like it's like you know you have nxc and dynamite ripping it up every week new japan which is like you know on hiatus right now but when they come back it's like everyone on new japan it's like insane the level of talent that exists across the world right now in yeah. wrestling and, and we're not talking about even nwa power or impact true um, yeah which and then gcw all yep. of the other indies in the states like nxt uk yeah which yeah. has some incredible incredible talent yeah um so aew uh started this week with the inner circle backstage strangely sympathetic lamenting their loss at double or nothing in the stadium stampede match uh, turns out they mass ordered t-shirts <laughs> with Dude, their I image this so much man yeah. when when jericho pulls up the t-shirt of like them all illustrated i think the fact that they're drawn is funnier and it just says stadium stampede champions i don't Dude, laugh out loud a lot during wrestling shows but that got a me. lot of this stuff dinner circle has been doing yeah it's been actually like uh, we've talked about a that a lot yeah. but they're Jericho is so funny. He's hilarious, dude. And he is... that, that shirt specifically, like, I feel like they nailed, like, the parking lot World Series aesthetic. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm trying yes, to think if yes, this, yes, is, yes. this maybe is something that would be on your radar in Canada, but maybe not. Like, every time a sports team is in the World Series, is in, like, a championship in any city, in any, not even city, in any suburb, city, anywhere there's people in yeah. this country, there are dudes set up with t-shirts in a parking lot for you to i know buy, exactly like, what you're talking you know, about yeah. and that that shirt that is they nailed that aesthetic and it's the first inner circle shirt for me personally that i actually want to buy like that i, I know like, i think that is amazing that they've it's it's kind of like a little bit of the bubbly with jericho they're making money selling champagne that yeah. nobody cares what it tastes like <laughs> everyone just wants the the jericho bubbly he's yep. probably gonna make a best-selling t-shirt with this ironic it's stadium it's stampede champions. yeah and they have a whole truckload of them uh yeah i i laughed out loud just at the like it was obvious the truck was going to pay off with the door opening but just seeing that t-shirt that was enough for me the opening match was young bucks and matt hardy versus private party and joey janela some great back and forth really fast pace opener uh they're brawling outside the ring nick jackson accidentally hits the butcher who's uh ringside with with the butcher and the blade with a super kick then the butcher and the blade start brawling with the young bucks. Uh, Don't want to get too ahead though. Uh, I can't believe we seen Matt Hardy versus Joey Janela, and it was not a GCW presents event. Uh, yeah, it's totally. It, totally surreal. Just seeing, like, I feel like that matchup is a matchup Joey Janela would have booked for like Joey Janela Spring Break or any of the other events he does with GCW. Except we're watching it on like tv national tv on totally. aw dynamite and just there's a moment like right towards the beginning of that match i think where janela does a death valley driver to the outside yeah. and then he looks into the camera and yells he's gonna puke like the <laughs> like he's gonna puke he's gonna puke and then like runs back into the ring and starts brawling again 
Like I, I love Joey Janela so much, and just that those moments like that where it's just like off, like so clearly he just is like doing his thing, and just decided to say that at that moment with that energy, and the fact that he's able to do that is so cool. Like he gets to bring that the energy that he harnessed and all of the like tireless work that he put into like his matches on the indies. He is now getting to bring to like a national TV audience, and it it. It makes me so happy and so excited to see what else he does this year. I like that he. I like that Janela is getting more, more featured. Uh, you know, at the top of the the top of the show with a match with the Young Bucks and Matt Hardy, and that and that's kind of Baron Lee too. Seeing Matt Hardy and the Young Bucks as a team too. I was just about to say like. I know we were a little bit skeptical when Matt Hardy was just cutting promos. Now he's doing amazing things in the ring. Love and it. I love his new sort of uh, his, his new reinvention, which is basically the idea that he can switch freely between any of the <laughs> different versions of Matt Hardy that right. used to exist. So he's like, do you want like, you know, the, the Hardy boys, Matt Hardy, he comes out with the tight t-shirt and yeah, does the gloves the, on and stuff. <laughs> the top, um, yeah. And then they're like, no, let's go a little bit earlier. So he's like, oh, you wanted to be a spot monkey? Matt Hardy and he comes out I'm not actually familiar with pre like, like Hardy Boys Matt Hardy but yeah I, I'm not I love yet. seeing his his outfit and yeah seeing him in the ring with the Young Bucks and JR pointed out on commentary that the Young Bucks obviously would have idolized the Hardy Boys and obviously that's true but I never put it together and so yeah seeing them together and Matt Hardy is like the elder statesman tag team wrestler who can still go like in his own way he's like very much in a in a Jericho position he should be in the decline because he's you know pushing 50 but he's you know at a creative peak right now yeah totally and just even like the long-term storytelling that's happening there too where it's like uh just before the hardys went back to wwe uh back when they had the surprise at wrestlemania they were feuding with the bucks and to have that come full circle now to see hardy teaming with them that's right yeah they they fought the Bucks in a ladder, no, not a ladder match, but right. in a match the night before. It was before, a cage match, maybe. Yeah, the night before they debuted and surprise entered the ladder match. And that was like a huge pop for, for me. I don't know about you. Totally. Yeah. Hardy Boys back on WWE TV. Well, and that was the first WrestleMania that I watched in like modern WrestleMania times. Uh, yeah. And I I didn't know that was going to happen. And as uh Attitude Era fan was blown away to that they were the surprise but it was um, weird because he had been woken matt Hardy or broken matt hardy sorry in tna and that was you know arguably he was the biggest wrestler in the world for a short period of time so to see him come back as like the hardy boys it was like okay so they're not gonna do this because wwe didn't invent it and then slowly he became woken matt hardy because they can own that ip they can own broken they team him with bray wyatt as the deleters of worlds they became tag team champions for like three weeks and then they just buried them into uh, oblivion. So great use of Matt Hardy there. Uh, I definitely totally. think he is flourishing in AEW. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a great, it was a great way to start the show. It was so fast paced. So, so such a good, it was a great moment where match. he piles um, private party and Joey Janela. It, like what does JR say? Like like Corkwood, and then does a mo- oh. moonsault onto them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Soon after, uh, an injury from a double stereo dive from Private Party over the top rope put Mark Quinn out of the match and put a time limit on the proceedings. Uh, and Young Bucks managed to isolate Isaiah Cassidy and hit the more bang for your buck for the three count. 
We both gave it a B, but this is again burying the lead because the big moment was what happened afterwards. Butcher and Blade came oh, to the ring, yeah. started to fight the Young Bucks. A truck pulls up. Who is it? Is it Cody again? Ready to drive three feet into a barricade and softly touch it? <laughs> no, it is not. It is the debut of Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, FTR. They come to the ring after teasing a match with the Young Bucks for perhaps the past three years. Years, yeah. F- one of the fir- one of the very first ongoing bits in being the elite, as far as my mind can remember. Uh, fuck the revival. Being the elite. BTE, FTRR, do you get it? FTR, fuck the revival. They've actually adopted that name as their as their official tag team name. Uh, probably also because the revolt is already a tag team and they couldn't use that. But I love it because I think FTR, the idea that they can mold that to whatever it needs to to mean. You know, at the next at the next revolution pay per view, they can say you know for the revolution, you know, or fear. I of the actually revolution. hadn't even considered the fact that because they're named FTR. The crowd's definitely going to chant fuck the revival, both in a negative and both in a like you're heels and we hate you and uh, like you suck Kurt Angle. Yeah, we love you. Oh, my God. Happy to have you here. That's going to be incredible. Can we talk about that for just a second? I forgot. Kurt Angle comes. <laughs> Kurt Angle Dude, yeah, comes, when Angle comes out. Kurt Angle yeah. comes to the ring before the fight pit and. It's just the very small WWE universe of the NXT wrestlers, and they're all sound, you know, chanting "You suck." It's and, like, but it's so far away. Like, you suck. Yeah, you suck. And Kurt Angle is just doing what he always does, which is just putting his his fingers up in the air to to enjoy. It. And it, he just looked so genuinely happy. Like he Dude, just yeah, looked like yeah. he was right where he wanted to be. And like, I love that you suck has, like you said, it's the good kind of heat. It's the we yeah. love to hate you. Keith. We're so happy you're here. Yeah. This is referencing something where we were kind of like making fun of you, but you're beloved. And this is why we're yelling this. And I, that totally is what's going to happen with fuck the revival. Yeah, like, absolutely. That's going to be crazy to scream with everybody at a show. I can't wait for that. So they can make their way to the ring. We think they're going to team up with butcher and the blade to just absolutely eviscerate the young bucks. their longtime enemies, but instead they take out the butcher and the blade. Dude, the Butcher and the Blade are looking cool these days. They're oh, and they're like all white? From A Clockwork Orange. Yes. Like, I'm that, so glad you said that. Yeah, like, I love that they're channeling that Clockwork Orange aesthetic. And yeah, with, they're, the, with uh, Butcher being, like, in a punk band, it's definitely not, like, unintentional. It I got, seems... I, I agree. And I gotta say, like, I'm, like, half sold on the Butcher and the Blade in their, like, old-timey mustache kind of outfits and like stuff. steampunk aesthetic yeah i'm half sold and half not so i did really enjoy this like like you said the droog look so ftr beats up the uh butcher and the blade and then just kind of stares at the young bucks and we're like are they going to attack them but no they just they walk away so this long simmering feud has been put into a high boil and will it pay off this week on dynamite maybe maybe i don't know but this yeah, is we'll going to be their next, this is the Young Bucks' next big match. It'll probably be on the next big pay-per-view. Probably all out, I would think, is where this that match is going to take place. I right? sure hope so. Uh, next, after that, we had a Brian Cage squash match versus Lee Johnson. Um, like all of the squash matches that have been happening, whenever they introduce Archer or Brody Lee, pretty much just throws around this jobber like a rag doll. 
but his massive frame is, is matched by his speed and agility. Uh, to end the match, he hits Lee Johnson with a huge power bomb, picks him back up into a buckle bomb, and then finishes him off with his sick named drill claw finisher, which is just a huge sitting pile driver. Uh, and then Taz comes on the mic, hits a intense promo on Mox, where he says, Big boy is going to put his hand in your chest <laughs> and tear your heart out. <laughs> which is Oh my God, yes. That's sick. Such a good promo. Such a so cool good. pairing. Love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Uh, uh, after that, there's a Britt Baker promo. Um, she has emerged, you know, as the best character in the women's division. Uh, wasn't sure about her at first, especially as a, as a baby face. As a heel, she is slowly turning herself into a superstar. Yeah, her, her, oh my God, her cutting that promo in a wheelchair also, just like. Changing role model into yeah, role, role model, model in the yeah. back. That was good. Yeah, it's cool. I, I, in like, like, I feel like everyone at the start of AEW was very critical of the women's division. And I was, I guess, to a, in my mind, at least, and to you, up to a point, but also at the same time, it's like, well, it's probably going to get good. And they have like, the foundation there they just need a few more people like penelope ford is great and the uh, joshi wrestlers are great like you know uh like Sheeta, riho but like yeah over the last year it's I don't, i've found it very satisfying to watch it go from that sort of feeling of like a developmental sort of league to now like there are some like talent here like Sheeta being champion is great and you know totally. having Baker eventually chased her for the title, having Penelope Ford feud with Sheeta, uh, you know, bringing in a lot of different uh, people on that roster. Big Swole, like thinking of the different like matches Sheeta can have now, totally. seems like it's going to shape up for the rest of 2020. I think there was some backstage headbutting that was happening a little bit at the beginning, um, mm. because one thing that we saw canceled completely on AEW was I think everyone can agree sort of the worst gimmick that they've made so far, which was the nightmare collective with Japanese deathmatch legend, Dr. <laughs> Luther and awesome Kong. And How could it uh, go wrong? Can't Bra- miss. Brandy Rhodes was collecting, uh, just like pieces hair. of hair. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that got shut down very quickly. And I remember hearing, stuff that there was some squabbling between the executive directors. I don't know if Cody was supporting Brandy in this or not, but I know for a fact that Kenny was, you know, sort of the maestro of the women's division uh, at the, at the very beginning. So I think he was very much interested in, in just kind of focusing on the Joshi wrestlers. And I wonder if there has been some maybe Tony Khan takeover of that a little bit to try to expand the women's division um, to appeal to people who maybe are not familiar with stardom and things yeah. like that. So, yeah. I, well, I, that brings us to the next match. Uh, solid TV match. Sheeta versus Christy James. Totally. Uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed that match. Dude, uh, during the match, the crowd at ringside is loud enough that you actually forget it's an empty arena match. That's true. I, did you notice, I, Thomas pointed this out, that at, in the background, there was a lot of people there. Like a, a ringside or not ringside, but at a distance, it looked like there's like a wall of people in the background. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I did see that sometimes, but I don't know exactly what they're doing. I um, haven't seen this pointed out really. Uh, I mean, uh, online, but it, 
like Thomas was like, whoa, look at the crowd. And then when I looked up, it looked like there was a full, like it obviously wasn't full, but it looked like one of the upper sections kind of was like filled with people. Well, realistically, that's probably how they're going to start doing wrestling again, which is like very limited capacity crowds at these controlled arenas. Yeah. Did you see how some movie theaters are like removing seats to uh, distance people? I miss the movies so much. Me too. I love going to the movies. The last movie that I seen was Parasite. Oh, nice. It was great. I had a big gigantic bucket of popcorn and a cherry Coke. And I miss I miss going to the theater. I miss going to live wrestling. I saw The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss. Ooh, good one. And that yeah. ruled. That ruled. Uh, this has been another episode of We Love Film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I I love how, like, you can sort of hear Tony Schiavone playing a little bit of damage control on JR every time JR mentions the appearance of the female wrestlers. Have you noticed this? I don't, I don't know. Uh, JR is, JR has become a little bit of like the Jerry, the King Lawler of AEW. Like he's unable to get through a women's match without talking. Calling about... to their, yeah. Calling yeah. To attention to their appearance. I guess I kind of know that. Yeah. So and... even in the match before with, um, with um sorry in the next match with jimmy havoc and kip sabian when um penelope ford comes out um tony makes just a call just talking about something and then jr just goes sorry what were you talking about and it was because uh she was on screen and stuff so i was uh, you know i'm i'm a little reticent about it there's moments where i think it kind of works like in, in that moment because you know obviously penelope ford is this very glamorous you know, person and her and Superstar. Kip are both like super bad, super hot. That's sort of their gimmick. But um, in the middle of this match with 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 Sheeta and Christy Janes, uh, Jr. is like, "Oh, she's a handsome young woman," and <laughs> you can hear Tony go, "Oh well, yeah, she's she's very beautiful." But he like really like he wants to change topics and stuff. Yeah, like move like uh, like he'll like roll over and move on a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, she's very beautiful. Okay, well, uh, nice headlock from Sheeta. Um, John gave uh, this Sheeta versus Chrissy Jane's match a B. I gave it a B minus. Solid TV match. Really like Chrissy Jane. She did some cool moves off the ropes. Yeah, I would were... like to see her back. Is she? That was probably just like a random. I guess they've been doing that with a lot of people. Just like kind of like Jeff Cobb. This was like a couple like a one off thing. Or... Could be. Um, but it wasn't a squash match. So she's not a jobber. So hopefully no, we'll see her back. I hope, yeah, I hope we see her back. They mentioned, I think, is she the one that uh, they mentioned that she was trained by? Uh, I forget who they mentioned that they were, they, she was trained by. I think she was one of QT's students. I don't remember. Uh, Could be. But yeah, she's great. Could be. Next up was a Cody Rhodes promo where he very compellingly paints himself as the underdog, despite having founded the company. And <laughs> having been very solidly booked and being the first winner of the TV champion or the TNT championship, every Cody promo, you're like, okay, Cody, where's this going? And then he just takes his time and then just kicks it into the next gear. And then suddenly you're just hooked and you're like hanging on his every single word. He did it again. He's the totally. best. He's the best yeah, that promo line, on AW. Uh, I was the fourth called, but the first champion of America's greatest network. Yeah. Such a good line. <laughs> He's awesome. And he, and he doesn't even say fourth at first. He's like, I wasn't the first call. It wasn't the second call. wasn't even the third call. And then he just puts up four fingers. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. He he did it again. 
Well, uh, he, he he's going on to face. I guess that's jumping ahead. Uh, oh, you're jumping yeah. ahead. We'll Next jump up ahead. was uh, SCU versus Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian. Oh, which we kind of started talking about. Yeah, this was a great tag match. I love the. It's a, is it the super super bad squad or super bad death squad? Uh, I I can't remember what they've been calling themselves. I don't know if they've said this on AWTV, but on Instagram, that's I think they've been posting that hashtag and like uh, saying that. But super bad death squad is a cool. That's a sick name. I hadn't heard what cool their name, name was. Uh, Jimmy Havoc's entrance gear has got to be like one of the best ones. Like, Dude, it's like movie quality. Like it's clear. Like I, I feel like with some professional wrestlers gear, you could tell like, oh, they, that a professional did, like seamstress did not make that. That's mm-hmm. like you bought like a leather jacket at H&M and then right. paint on the back <laughs> of it, added some studs uh, with Jimmy, Jimmy Havoc looks like, like a villain from like, like that, like mask that he has like. it's higher quality than both of the mortal Kombat movies like he looks like a <laughs> oh, that's sick, what he looks like yeah, yeah like, like a sick sub-zero or something with like and the long leather coat like oh wow sick. yeah you and, just made me even more of a fan of jimmy havoc i feel like you could say his name would sound really good in the mortal Kombat voice also. oh absolutely jimmy havoc wins <laughs> yeah you need Fatality. to add some reverb on that <laughs> i will i'm gonna go yeah. and just mess this audio the fuck up um yeah i dig them as a team they're good heel partners kip's the pretty boy jimmy's like the crazy one um they're mean they're hard hitting but su have the experience and they're carrying some of this match um there's amazing hot tag by kaz who flips over jimmy's back over the ropes um at the end penelope crosses a distraction jimmy puts up corpio scorpio jimmy puts up scorpio for the uh Michinoku driver and then Kip does a running drop kick to basically activate the move. Such a sick finisher. Yeah, the and tag team chemistry between Kaz uh and Scorpio. So sick. Like I think with Christopher Daniels out of there, to me they're just a, a sick, like I said before, a revival-esque tag team. Just yeah, like I could see hard hitting, totally. like just yeah, great moves. Um, this is what I mean about giving people the win, I feel like. Kip and Havoc have won, have uh, lost a lot of matches, and SEU will not hurt from losing. Um, it was a great match. They're already the first ever AEW Tag Champs. I give this match a B. John gave it a B as well. I would love to watch more Kaz matches from uh, TNA. I know he must have yeah. had some bangers. Was he ever one of the masked guys in TNA? Uh, like uh, Suicide or something? I'm not sure. I did not watch a lot of TNA. I seem to remember that. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up. Um, the only TNA actually the only TNA that I ever saw was when I seen it live in Universal Studios in Florida. Uh, outside of that, I think I've seen like clips and then what we've watched together, like as like historical. These matches are important. Tell just a, uh, just tell us a bit about that seeing TNA at Universal Studios. You can't drop that and just move on. Uh, well, it was a complete accident that that happened. Like me and my family were in Florida. To, we were there on vacation in maybe two thousand twelve. So either 2011 or 2012, maybe 2013. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was between 2011 and 2013. It was either 11 uh, or 12, uh, but maybe 13. My dad, my yeah, we uh, we go to uh, we go to Disney World a lot as a family, so it's, it's adorable. The times sort of blurred together a little bit, but um, during this specific time, we went to Universal Studios and we were looking through the map to decide what we were going to do that day, and it seemed in the bottom right corner of the map was a image of Hulk Hogan flexing, Sting standing there, 
and maybe uh the dudley boys also uh and i was like why is what is this why are they on this map branded map for universal studios maybe this is just some like promotional event around sure i actually didn't even realize i was so far out of wrestling at that moment that i didn't realize wrestling was being taped live within universal studios during this time um so we flipped it over and there was a list of maybe like maybe 20 25 dates uh that they were filming tna live uh from the uh impact zone in universal studios and we were there on a day where they were filming live um and so like then we were there early. It was like 9 a.m. They were filming late, like 7 p.m. So we knew at the end of our day was going to end with professional wrestling. And me and my mom and my little brother were so psyched because we went to wrestling so much as kids. And all of us were like, wow, this is such a cool thing that we got to do. And you you were able to be a part of the live audience with your admission to Universal Studios. So it was like, go ride the Spider-Man ride, have some green eggs and ham in Dr. Seuss land, then go watch <laughs> TNA wrestling at night. Um, wow, that's a complete day. Yeah, real, real perfect day of uh, American culture. Do you remember what uh, the main event was? I do not. I, the only thing I remember, I just remember being so excited to see people we recognize, like recognized at the time, because at that time it was like, well, I hope we get to see some of these people that were are pictured on the card. Uh, Hulk Hogan, I remember, appeared via a promo. This was during the time of Aces and Eights, uh, and I honestly don't know enough about TNA to really go much further than what i seen like at the live event no worries um but yeah it was during the time of aces and eights uh i know uh devon dudley was a big part of that and cut a promo i believe sting made an appearance at one point someone i think bully ray bubba ray was getting married to uh hogan's daughter um and then Brooke. I always, yeah, Brooke Hogan. Uh, and that, that, there, that segment, it was like a long, it felt like 45 minutes. It felt like half of the time we were there, we watched a segment where people kept coming out in aces and eights. Like first one person came out, then the whole gang came out, then two more people came out. It felt like a 45 minute promo with like three matches at the end. Interesting. Do not remember the matches. I know Sting made an appearance and we were blown away. Um, and I also, uh, yeah, I, it was like, it was such a cool aspect of uh, being able to go to Universal Studios, and I just in ge- just general like the like the aesthetics of like a theme park hosting professional wrestling is such a cool uh, such a cool moment. Uh, totally, this is this is a tangential fact to this, but one thing that's always blown my mind, and I would love for someone to if I would love for someone to message me to talk to me more about this. But <laughs> I'd love someone that... just to message me and, and just talk to me. <laughs> well, like I've I've not really seen much discussion on this subject, but like there was death matches in the impact zone inside Universal Studios. So like there was parent and I've seen photos people have posted where it says like parental advisory, gratuitous violence is going to happen within this match. Right. So there's barbed wire death matches in the impact zone at Universal Studios where you and your family could go have green eggs and ham and then watch a death match <laughs> afterwards. I just, just love seems, that that combination just is fantastic. Just, just the, like that that combination is really interesting to me and I don't know yeah it, it would be it would be cool to know more information about that cuz there it, out of all of the stuff I've looked up yeah it's not something that I've come much across. Um but yeah uh it's just like it, it's great uh i don't know so just on the um sort of surprise wrestling 
when you're like a little bit younger. I was just thinking about how when my brother went to university in Toronto, <clears throat> I was about 10 years old and we drove up uh, to drive him there. And after we dropped him off, it was it's the only time I can ever remember my parents like surprising me with something big. Like they're, you know, my mother every now and then will surprise me with like a gift or something like, oh, I did get you the, the 64, the Nintendo 64, something like that. But not a lot of like surprise events or anything. But we were in Toronto just driving around after dropping my brother off. And my mother's like, so we're going to go see SmackDown now. Oh, hell yeah. And there was SmackDown at the Air Canada Center. And I remember... What year was this? So... <laughs> I actually just looked this up. I was doing some quick math in my head. So I'm six years younger than my brother. And I went to university in 2007. So it would have to be 2001. And it would have to be September 2001. And I looked it up and it was actually September 4th, 2001. One week before september 11th holy shit yeah uh and so i just looked up this card uh tag team match the hardy boys with lita defeat just incredible and raven oh my god that's so sick yeah. uh four minutes singles match test defeated <laughs> billy gunn oh mr ass yeah man wwf european title match the big show defeated the hurricane my disqualification in Dude, one minute. Classic. That's that's a classic 2001 match. Hurricane versus Big Show. Wow. Eight man tag team match. Booker T, Rhino, and the Dudley Boys with Shane McMahon defeated Chris Jericho and the APA and The Rock. <laughs> that is a crazy eight man. That's wow. crazy. Wait, Sh- Shane McMahon, the Dudley Boys. No, Shane is just like their manager. It's Booker T, Rhino, and the Dudley Boys versus oh, Chris Shane Jericho. McMahon. Uh Bradshaw, Farouk, and The Rock. Like, That's crazy. What kind of a team is that? And you're not even going to believe this. Non-title match. Rob Van Dam defeated Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh my God. Dude, that's a crazy main event. I know. And I it, I think um, maybe... We should go... We got to go back and watch... We should at least watch that. I would love to. I don't know if you've to. gone back and watch it, but we I have definitely... Not. I add Rob Van Dam to Stone Cold versus on the uh, Super Rob Van, Van Rob Van Dam Super Card we're building. Totally, I only just thought like I could probably look that up and figure out what it was with some quick math. Stone Cold was the WWF champion, and Rob Van Dam was the Hardcore champion at the time. Sick! That is such a sick time to go. Like that, yeah. it's like, yeah, just just after sort of the peak Attitude Era, in between sort of like kind of ruthless aggression basically like yeah it was like right like right in the invasion i think yeah because totally there was like that ecw and everything yeah you have rob van dam and just incredible on the show totally dude man so so you would have been how old would you have been uh either nine or ten years old. i think nine years old oh my god your mind was probably blown oh absolutely just like being there where you're in the nosebleeds and it didn't matter just seeing the titan tron seeing people walk out like yeah. Yeah. Just being in a wrestling crowd at 10 years old is such a great experience. Man, uh, it was wild. It's so cool that you got to see Stone Cold. Yeah. At like, at such a good time. Like, oh, man. Yeah. I was hoping Stone Cold and The Rock were both in the card and they were. That's, that's awesome. Which, uh, speaking of uh, Billy Gunn, who fought on that card, that brings us to the final match of AW, which is the TNT Battle Royal to determine 
the next contender or the first contender, I should say, to Cody Rhodes TNT championship. Uh, we saw our favorite uh, ringside duo, the gun club, Billy Gunn and his son, whose name I refuse to learn because I will just continue to call him Bart, which is absolutely it not makes me laugh every time you text me and, and call him Bart. Because I just imagine him being like Bart, like something like that. But uh, William Gunn realizes that he's in the Battle Royal. His his son is like, Dad, you're in it. He gets in the ring. Dude, yeah, I seen him. He was at he was walking around uh, WrestleCon 2019. And that was when I realized how tall he was because he's way taller than me. I don't know and how like, we didn't notice this in the Attitude Era, but when he gets in the ring and he's like next to Luchasaurus and Wardlow and they're all like the same height, it's so I weird. Think, I think it's like his like, he's he's agile and fast and way like the way he works is very smooth. And I think especially during the Attitude Era when you had a lot of like hardcore brawling and sort of like not a lot of like not a lot of technicians like he he's someone him and like gold dust both i feel like have sort of this like i don't know smoothness to the way that they throw punches and the way that they do moves Agreed. Where i think during that time it made him seem smaller than he actually was and a lot of people on that roster were big but Billy i think Gunn that's it too still yeah seemed, still seemed smaller like like i imagine him to be x xbox size totally uh, but he's basically like two xbox he's like two pogs <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah uh anyways yeah the the uh the battle royal was great i love that they're doing stuff like this on dynamite tv like i just see a battle royal randomly like it's not a pay-per-view it's just totally oh and match feel important we didn't mention but seu versus jimmy havoc and kip sabian was a number one contendership match for the aw tag team championship so they're going to go on jimmy and and kip to face kenny omega and hangman page dude that match is going to rip so that's going to rip and two days from now i would also like to say i made a note i love please. this i love that they mentioned this on commentary during that scu jimmy havoc match uh jimmy havoc kip match uh that was the first time that scu tagged since they lost the belts so great story great reason for them to lose because they haven't been tagging together oh, uh, and they're, they're kind got of some like ring rust you know thrown off by this new crazy team with the valet and you know uh a great reason for SCU to lose that kind of adds to their story that I, I, I really liked. It was a throwaway line that wasn't really, no one, I think uh, Excalibur just mentions it at one point uh, and then they kind of move on and no one says anything, but true. Yeah, we should also that. mention that Penelope did cause a distraction that led to that the, also. Uh, yeah. It was the led main. to, led to the, the win. But anyway, the TNT battle Royal, a lot of great competitors. I did not write them down. Um, I, I know that our favorite, Japanese deathmatch legend Dr. Luther went Dude on came tear. to tear the house down. <laughs> He's sticking his tongue out and fucking people up, dude. And then he got thrown out pretty soon after that. Um I love He it's got to a point now where that originally I was annoyed because I did not like the Nightmare Collective like at most of everyone that watches wrestling, but now because he's become like an almost like an inside joke between you and I where we send each other gifts and pictures of him. It's funny to me when he is in these scenarios. Like, I like that he's in these scenarios now. Yeah, like they, totally. Like, it's got to a point where it's like, oh, this is funny that he's here and now he's thrown out and we're focusing on the people in the match. And I was saying, and I was only half kidding, they should just, like, recruit him to the Dark Order. Yeah, like, he'd be a great, like, yeah, ancillary character of the Dark Order. He tags with Brody sometimes. 
you know, like that, that, that's a great, it would be a perfect move. Slot him right in there. Totally. There um, was some great hoss off energy between beef Lords, Wardlow and Luchasaurus. <laughs> dude, who, d- dude, that should be a tag name right there. Beef oh Lords. my God. Beef Lords. <laughs> they both move so fast and they, they hit so crisp. It's fantastic. Um, it looked like it might come down to Wardlow versus, uh, MJF. Um, and I had that pre-match promo, I like MJF call they call MJF calls uh, Wardlow War Dog. Uh there seemed to be a little <laughs> bit of tension there in that pre-match yeah, promo. He he hits Wardlow and he basically implies that he's not gonna win the match, it's gonna be MJF, and then Wardlow looks pissed and MJF's like, Oh, I'm just kidding, buddy. So they're 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 building to that that eventual break, and that's gonna be a great match, MJF versus Wardlow. Wardlow has just been a heavy for the most part, but he can go. We saw him with Cody in the cage. He can go. Dude, Wardlow, yeah, I never heard of him. Uh yeah, me from either. my hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, is he really? Yeah. I'm I I always notice that when there's like a like Alexa Bliss is from Columbus, Ohio. He's from Cleveland, Ohio. There's not it's not an uh, um I feel like you don't often hear that announced in wrestling. Uh, sure. you know, uh that they're hailing from those places. But yeah, Wardlow, it's been he yeah, he ripped it up in that cage match with Cody. He's been a cool heavy for MJF, like just seeing him really break out on the roster too like in a way it's it, it's great like they're bringing in all these people that even like someone like you or i who like is really invested in wrestling might not have come across and they're now a totally. fan of like, absolutely uh jungle boy and orange cassidy teamed up to take out mjf and wardlow in a moment that must have made jim Cornette's head absolutely <laughs> explode uh eventually jungle boy wins the match and great great winner he is the definition of a person who can take a loss to Cody next week and, totally. and and come out looking stronger by just proving that he's on the same level as Cody, who is an absolutely inescapable main event guy. So I think that Jungle Boy, he will take this loss next week in stride. And um, again, it's 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 going to be so great to see him eventually ascend to the championship in, in a couple years. Dude, yeah, I, I, and I love the build up to Jungle Boy versus Orange Cassidy within that match. Was that's another one that's like, I don't know, like I, I just the cross section of wrestlers that they brought into uh, AEW is great. Like uh, you, you mentioned last week, the Double or Nothing is like a pastiche of all wrestling. It's like something for everybody, yeah. and yeah, just the the rolling through all of these different segments and uh, matches that happened in AEW. Uh, it's cool to 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 think of all of the different things that go on within this. Uh, and yeah, Jungle Boy versus Orange Cassidy. I want to see like a, I don't know, like a like I don't know, like an Iron Man match or like a like a sixty minute like G one style match between the two of them. Oh yeah, like they ha- they're both so quick and they each have such a unique move set that it would be really fun to see. Yeah, like a basically a Dynamite's version of like you know Osprey. Uh, Versus Takahashi. Well, it'd like, be cool too because uh, Orange is used to being the underdog, but he would almost be like the big guy in that matchup. So that would be an interesting kind of. Yeah, that's it. That's funny that that's funny to point out too. After that, there was the Stadium Stampede replay, uh, which oh, I would watch that replay over and over again. Love seeing the highlights from that match. To see the highlights from that match is, I think, the quickest way to get someone back into wrestling. Just watch a yeah, three oh, minute, totally three minute collection of that of the moves in that match and all the amazing stuff that's happening. Dude, that King Kong one winged angel, definitely a high point of AEW thus far. I don't think I'll ever get over it to be quite frank. 
it, it was followed by the inner circle pep rally, which <laughs> Jericho is so funny. He always finds a way to uh, create these segments that should be too much, but are just perfect. Uh, in this, everyone got some gifts from Jericho. Uh, my favorite one was uh, Sammy Guevara getting a framed photo of Mark Anthony. And this this was a perfect amount of time too, because there was maybe it was maybe only ten minutes. And early on in the beginning of Dynamite, there was one time where they did a similar thing. I I can't believe I can't remember specifically what it was, but th- where there was like maybe a half hour of the show was dedicated to something like this, right? Like sort of like a um, promo where it's like, I mean, that maybe would be fine, but it was like this is great. He, he gives all these gifts to the inner circle. Very fun, very goofy. I love Jake uh, going off like Liam Neeson from Taken in the middle of his poem. Yeah, totally. he has a very particular set of skills. I thought I didn't know if Jake was funny, but he after the like bubbly bunch uh, promos they did in quarantine and and this, I think he's kind of a secret comedy. Uh, well, he he's a straight man. Yeah, like, yeah. He's just like got, he he his like kind of like hulking, slow way of speaking. I think like. It plays off of Sammy's Sammy and Sammy and PMP have this chaotic like Looney Tunes energy. Jake Hager is very serious, but then also kind of goofy. And Jericho is just totally he's Jericho. So it's this like, yeah, intersection of personalities. That's like when they were first paired together, I was like, well, this is like a cool like random NWO like faction. But now they're all together and they're such a good great unit. Like I hope Inner Circle stays together for a while. I remember like the moment where I realized that. They all had such great chemistry. It was very early on in Dynamite, and there was a promo that uh, building up to the Jericho Cody match, where Jericho and Sammy did a parody of the Cody and Brandy promo that had happened the oh, week before, uh-huh. where Brandy yeah. comes over and like kisses Cody on the cheek and stuff like that. And they did that with Sammy Guevara, where Sammy comes over and kisses Jericho on the cheek. And I was like, that was the moment where I was like, oh my god these guys are amazing. Like they have, they have harnessed something and it's obviously Jericho is like the, the ringleader. Um, like we said, like he's the perfect comedian because he's such a great wrestler. So he's so mm-hmm. silly, but like you said, he'll still fuck you up. He still comes out with the pain maker leather jacket with the, with the spikes on it and stuff. looks awesome. looks yeah. so good. And then he puts, he puts the fedora on as like the heat, the heat <laughs> magnet yeah. fedora. Fedoras in wrestling are heat magnets. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like a scarf. Uh, Sammy, one of Sammy's throwaway lines that made me laugh really hard was when they revealed the cheese plate. Sammy yells, uh, "A cheese platter, baby!" Uh, <laughs> and he's like, kind of like holding it and like dancing around a little bit, but and it's like not like a good cheese platter. No, it's at all, all like been it's, eaten. And yeah. who should emerge from backstage but Mike Tyson, Iron Mike, and his band of meth addicts. <laughs> dude the craziest looking crew ever and like, i think they had like an actor or something up front the guy i said looked like uh vince russo he was just like standing in front of a bunch of legit mma guys with like this weird eye makeup or face paint yeah there and, was like fa- he was wearing face paint at first i wasn't sure when that person came out like what what was going on <laughs> yeah like why is that guy got face paint on but then it's like oh this is just mike tyson's weird crew that he's rolling with so um Mike looked weird. Um, that guy looked weird. I think everyone else actually looked really tough are legit MMA fighters, but all the distraction was taken by Mike and his kind of like weird posture in the ring. Like I was joking that he looked like he was on 
uh, meth, but like, that's what it looked like when he was like, he was like flexing in front of Jericho, but then he was also like bending over and just being like, ah, and I was like, he looks crazy. Like he Dude, had that, the, the moment where he's like flexing over Jericho and then Jericho, uh, says you look great. Like, like <laughs> yeah, Tyson. I see, like you look good. Like. Tyson's just, he's got a crazy energy. He's just like, we just ate a dude's brain like in Temple of Doom and we are so full of adrenaline. (laughs) Oh my God, dude, totally. I think that Uh, that segment's going to bring a lot of people in, but not my favorite. Not my favorite segment. Although I would... I liked it as a way to end the show. Like I was like, I was saying like they didn't dedicate a half hour to this. It yes. was built up that Tyson's coming, Tyson's coming, Tyson's coming throughout the whole episode. Then the last 10 minutes, we get this great pull apart. Locker room is emptied. Uh, Jericho is incensed. And I love when he is like upset and angry. And screaming. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just every scenario that that happens. Billy Gunn's son is front and center on the turnbuckle. Like, <laughs> framed it was a it's a great it was a great way to end hard gun um (laughs) so are we getting mike tyson versus chris jericho is this happening an actual match i mean earlier i was talking about pancrase and how they matched up mma and wrestling so bring and like their the original inspiration was uh a boxer fighting wrestler so uh yeah bring it on i say i'm 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 for it all right well uh that has been our coverage of just one night of television. Like I cannot stress this enough. There is four hours of, well, really three hours with commercials of incredible wrestling happening uh, every Wednesday night. Um, I watch it on TSN cause I'm in Canada. I'm on Hulu and sling. There you go. Uh, John last week recommended a classic match. The J Crown Finals. Of course. Uh, the great Sasuke versus Ultimo Dragon. That's right. Great Sasuke versus Dragon Express. Uh, so, the, yeah, this was the J Crown Junior Heavyweight Eight Crown Unification Tournament Finals. Yep. Yeah. Um, only a little bit more cumbersome than the Interim Cruiserweight Championship Tournament. Um, so the crowd is... is This is uh, G1 Climax in 1996. The crowd is lit the fuck up. Uh, it starts out like a martial arts fight. Lots of dancing around, kicking at each other. Transitions. Well, just the, not to uh, not to cut you off here, but just the whole uh, presentation and introduction of the titles with yeah. the uh, procession of the girls coming out and holding the titles up is really great. And just sets like you can feel the energy totally right as soon as the YouTube video starts. Like yeah, yeah, and oh. then totally it starts out that saying it starts out like a martial arts fight is like a great. Well, because they're dancing around each other, and uh, but then it transitions pretty quickly into some some great mat work, just one move on top of the other, uh, and it's a pretty slow burn. The first five minutes are a lot like that, and um, but then once it picks up, it picks up. So Sasuke goes for a springboard moonsault, uh, and then Ultimo Dragon hits him with a picture perfect drop kick, and then uh, Sasuke's outside. Ultimo moonsaults into the crowd. Sasuke yeah, ends flips up into the front row. Sasuke ends up splayed across the steel barricade. Incredible moment. Back in the ring, Ultimo hits a fantastic brain buster suplex, and then a sitting power bomb for some close two counts. Sasuke basically has to launch himself out of the pin, and then Sasuke puts Ultimo on the top turnbuckle, drop kicks him, 
He lands on the concrete, misses the mats outside the rings completely. <laughs> Immediately, Ultimo jumps onto the top ropes, hits another moonsault to the outside. This time, he lands into the crowd, except... Dude, over the barricade. Over the barricade. The last time when Sasuke did it, there was an empty seat next to photographers. So it seemed like a gimmicked place to do it. This time, you see this like five-year-old kid screaming in the front row <laughs> he almost gets hit he like screams it's like honestly terrifying uh thank god i knew it was like nothing happened initially because it like the kid does not look like like oh this is fun he's like screams like, like mommy terrified like, yeah. holy shit i don't know how they were like legally allowed to do that i guess in japan it's like an honor if your son gets paralyzed in the front <laughs> row of like a match um so yeah uh ultimo regains control Hits a beautiful reverse dragon suplex to uh, uh, to a pin, nail-biting two-count. Uh, then he hurricane ranas off the top, top turnbuckle to another two-count. Oh my god, yeah, this sequence is crazy. Ultimo's outside the ring on the concrete. Sasuke hits him with a senton atomico. Basically, completely lands on his shoulders on the concrete. <laughs> yeah. Again. On the concrete. The mats that they have on the outside of this ring, too, Useless. are like the mats that we Useless. had in gym class yes. as kids. Like, and like... And they're, they're like ha- haphazardly placed. Just three feet and that's it. And it's just like yeah. the rest of it. So yeah, he's on the, he's on the ground. Uh, Ultimo is like over the barricade, just like laying down. Somehow they just both get up like immediately. Like in WWE, they would like stay there for like five minutes. Oh yeah, that would be like a 20 count, like a 10 count. Yeah, totally. 20 count. Like nothing. They just, <laughs> they just get up. Uh, Sasuke amazingly not dead. Uh, goes for the moonsault, misses, Ultimo rolls him up, two count, then Sasuke reverses a powerbomb into the pin, three count. Uh, just a great 15-minute banger. Good mix of high-flying aerial assaults, mat-based wrestling, and some classic hard-hitting brain busters, power bombs. Uh, John gave it an A+. Plus. I- I'm going to give it an A. I-, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I absolutely love that match. Definitely one of my favorites of all time. Like, please look it up. Please look it yeah. up. It's easily you can easily find it on on YouTube. So, in a little more, like, I uh, was doing more research on on the J Crown and how it ended, and found this uh, like chunk of text where uh, it talks about how Ultimo Dragon defended the J Crown in WCW uh, because he was the WCW Cruiserweight Champion uh, and the NWA World Middleweight Champion, uh, and then. Uh, eventually uh, Liger would go on to defend it uh, as seven titles instead of eight uh, until ultimately the WWF uh, was getting ready to introduce a new light heavyweight title. Uh, yes, I remember this. Yeah. Or I remember reading about this, sorry. And then they demanded the that uh, Shinjiro Otani, um, the current uh, J-Crown champion at the time, return the belt to them, uh, sort of... Um, about breaking apart and sort of dissipating the J crown. Um, but yeah, just very such cool. a classic match. Very there are all of the photos of anybody holding the J crown. I feel like are my favorite champion photos. Yeah. What's your classic match recommendation? For Thank me? you so much. Uh, yeah. So this is what we're going to try to do. We're, we're going to try to recommend matches to each other back and forth that we are pretty sure the other one hasn't watched. But I also want this to just be a recommendation to everyone listening. Hopefully there's some lapsed wrestling fans out there who can be curious enough to check out one of these matches and maybe 
uh, be, be pulled back in. So John, for you, I decided to choose a match that was, I, I think right in the smack dab of when we both were not watching wrestling. Mm, uh, cool. Yeah. Tail end of the ruthless aggression era, start of the PG era. I think like right on the cusp. I definitely would not um, have seen this. Probably, so this is. is from no mercy, 2008. And it is a world heavyweight championship ladder match between champion Y2J Chris Jericho and challenger Shawn Michaels. Wow. I've not seen this. HBK versus Y2J. So the reason I wanted to show you this is because I don't know if it'll make the Shawn Michaels super card that we watch because I don't want everything to be a 30 minute match in that because those get kind of exhausting. This is a 30 minute match. Um, but I thought you should see it because this is, I think five months before HBK taker at WrestleMania 25, uh, which is maybe my favorite match of all time. Um, so it's Shawn Michaels in, in the height of his comeback and it's a blind spot for me for Chris Jericho. Like I know Chris Jericho, WCW, I know him coming into the WWE arrogant heel, uh, kind of having a baby face run there, you know, being the first ever undisputed heavyweight champion defending against triple H in an underwhelming match after Hogan and rock. Uh, and that's pretty much all I know of Chris Jericho until um, late period him with Kevin Owens festival of friendship. And then obviously uh, right now NJPW pain maker slash first ever AEW champion, Chris Jericho. So yeah, this was a, a Jericho. I did not, I can't remember seeing a single match. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's an excellent match. I watched it last night. I'm not going to talk too much to about it, it this week. Yeah, uh, so psyched to come back and talk about it next week. Yeah, man. So uh, next episode we'll be talking about uh, the the next episode of NXT as well as AEW uh, on Wednesday. We traditionally do watch AEW live and then stream NXT. Uh, for me, that's I I kind of have to do that because it's NXT is not playing in Canada. Uh, live but you can watch it on the wwe network after it has aired and um we will also be talking about nxt in your house which is happening this sunday uh i love the idea of them taking the graphics back from these old shows to maybe again get some lapsed fans who remember those graphics i know that you said the poster was kind of a typographical nightmare but uh I do like seeing that 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 old I, yeah, in your house. I, it's a great throwback. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like it. It's just also yeah, uh, annoying as someone who lays out type and illustrates <laughs> things. I totally get it. It's gonna be a great show. I I am honestly like so psyched about how much we have to talk about next episode. Uh, before we close, I'd like to give a quick shout out to Ukulele Punk West Smith on Instagram. Those of you watching the video will see this. Those of you not watching the video can look up his work uh, on Instagram. This photographer sent me some prints, a very cool one of Darby Allen. Really love it. You can follow West Smith at Ukulele Punk on Instagram. You can follow us at Torture Rack on Instagram. You can follow John at John F. Malta on Instagram. And you can follow me if you want to see what movies I'm watching for some reason at Waste of Taste on Instagram. Can't wait to talk to you next week, my friend. In the books. Done.